Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And today I'm talking with Paula Yolls, who, like most of us, grew up with a lot of sugar in her life, but who didn't actually eat a lot of fast food or junk food. The sugar that she used to eat was part of an otherwise healthy diet and was used for things like reward, celebrations, treats, you know, basically what most of us use sugar for. In this episode, Paula and I are talking about how she went from having sugar control her feelings and her emotions to actually feeling them and getting to know them better so that she didn't need sugar anymore. And also how her definition of normal has changed because when she was consuming sugar, Paula just thought it was normal to be constipated or hungry or have cravings. And I get that because I remember very well that I used to just think that this was normal. And only when Paula cut out sugar did she realize that there's actually a way of creating a new normal. And that having health issues and feeling uncomfortable and being in pain doesn't have to be your normal. Here's our chat. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, your own life before you drop sugar? Sure. Well, I was, I grew up like most people eating sugar and it was just part of my life. You know, um, I would come home when I was in high school after I was on the cross country team and I would come home and I'd have um, sliced up banana with Hershey's syrup and whipped cream as my post running snack. I didn't know any better and my family didn't guide me any better. Um, and I then later in life, and I actually think I was like this my whole life. I, similar to Netta, I was constipated like all the time. I didn't know I was constipated because that's how I grew up. I had stomach aches a lot of my childhood um, and nobody could figure out why. And I think that's a big part of why. And so I had constipation and in my 20s and 20s I had gas and bloating and I'd put on weight even though I grew up in a family like we cooked we ate vegetables you know I ate pretty healthy I wasn't like eating fast food every day it wasn't like that and then I just got really low emotionally I was in a marriage that wasn't supporting me the way I needed I don't think I was supporting him the way he needed either and I just got really low emotionally and we ended up getting divorced and I hit, I was sort of down and out and I needed a change and I ended up work, um, enrolling in a two-year program called Healers Program. I went in because I needed a change. I was not going in with the intention to 
stop eating sugar. At Never all. does. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> and just slowly, bit by bit, in the healers program, I changed the way I was eating because my mentor, that's one of the things that he was guiding me through was slowly making changes to my eating. We started with breakfast and, um, and then just made slow changes. And one of the things and the changes is, was getting rid of sugar in it. And, and um, I then was off sugar and also eating more real food, food from the farms and cooking and eating more balanced meals. But that wasn't the only thing. It was also, we did emotional work and really looked at the layers of things. I'd gotten so disconnected from myself. And like I said, in the low emotional state and I had pre-sugar, I had a huge mind chatter or negative self-talk and always guessing my decisions and spinning out and really not that happy with myself. And when I got off sugar and did the emotional work and boosted the other healthy eating foods, it made all a huge difference. Like that negative mind chatter and spinning out. Like I over, I took, a, I'd say a solid, it took a solid year of slowly changing things and I don't have that anymore. And I, because I know what it feels like because there's been moments over the years, it's been probably about 15 years. And over the years, there's been moments where I've slipped back into eating sugar. And very quickly within a day or two, I feel myself having the emotional low energy and the negative mind talk. And I get angry really fast at people around me who I love the most, like my son, Yeah, you know. You can um, really make that connection between all those emotions and sugar. Yeah, huge connection. It's, it's, you don't realize it until you're off of it long enough to get it cleaned out of your system and then go back on it. Like one of my clients who I recently worked with, you know, she chose, she wanted to get off the sugar as part of figuring out how to shift her health um, in her body and her mind. And, and then there was her birthday came along and she had some cake and over the couple, a couple days, it was the big five Oh. So they celebrated all weekend and she, same thing. She quickly noticed. She's like, wow, I really started having negative self-talk again. So, you know, it's not just me. <laughs> not just you. That's for yeah. sure. That is for yeah. sure. Can you give us some examples of some of that negative self-talk? Oh, um, just sort of like, you know, you don't, things like you're not smart, you can't do that. Um, did I make the right decision? Maybe I should have done this instead of that. Um, what do I really want? I don't even know what I want. I, I just couldn't even think straight. Um, and a lot of, 
just not valuing myself and going outside of myself and following other people's opinions instead of my own. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Totally relate. And so, and I mean, did it just kind of come upon you this link between sugar and all that negative self-talk or did you have to kind of learn it? Like we learn, I don't know, math or biology or something. (laughs) I, I had to learn it. I think through the, on hands experience like you know when you're in the laboratory taking a science lab class you do a lab and you see what works and doesn't work and then you try the experiment again and I many times have tried the experiment again where I've had sugar um and and for me even like I know if I have stevia I get hooked like I do with sugar and it makes me want more and addictive and wanting to eat it so I had to learn it experientially many times but did you try as you know you just mentioned stevia did you try different types of sweeteners or different types of sweet foods and and realize there are none that I can deal with or are there some that you can deal with yeah my body um can have some maple syrup and some honey and I can be okay. Um, but I do find it, I have to be conscious around it cause it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just yummy and then you eat more than you should. So, um, but I can handle that without, ha- I don't have the negative self-talk with honey and maple syrup. Is it because they're just less processed you think? I think so. I think they're less processed. And also I know how to balance my eating more. So I'm not going to have, like, if I make, um, <laughs> my son calls them mookies. If I make mookies, they're half, he calls them that because he feels like they're half muffin, half cookies. They, they, <laughs> they have maple syrup in them. But I also put, they have almond butter in them and they have nuts in them. So they have a lot, and then they have chocolate chips in them that have no sugar in them. So they're low glycemic, but they're high protein. So I know how to do some balancing like that. So I think that's part of it also, but. Yes, yes. And do you eat fruit? I eat some fruit. Um, I tend to eat fruit more in season with what's growing. Um, I've never been like a huge, huge fruit person. So it's not. I don't mind eating some and I'm fine and I enjoy it. I think it's very refreshing, especially in the summer. Yeah, definitely. And did you find when you, when you stopped eating sugar that your taste buds changed? Yeah, completely. They did change. Um, Like now, if now, if I have like a store bought or even if somebody makes a homemade cake with white sugar, one bite, it's way too sweet for me. I can't, I do not enjoy it. Um, I can taste salt more, like things tend to taste too salty to me um, more than in the past. And then, um, well, I can just, I appreciate simpler foods like because I can really taste them and like- Like what, for example? Like vegetables. Like if I eat some steamed collards or some steamed kale or or in a stir fry or something, like the flavors just burst out more. Um, When I was in the healers program and we were there for one 
one of the live weeks in person, there was a gentleman who had joined and he stepped into the whole thing, cold turkey. And he had like, he had been eating fast food and all that kind of stuff. And he came cold turkey. And he said like for the first, most of the first week, like he literally couldn't taste any of the food they were serving. Um, at, and it was all home cooked, you know, high plant-based, nutritious, high nutritious food. And he literally couldn't taste any of it. And for me, it was too salty, a lot of it, but delicious. And, you know, like that amazed me that he literally couldn't taste anything. So because of the difference in food of eating. Yeah, because our taste buds are so jacked up on processed foods and all the additives and all the all that stuff that we don't even know what real food tastes like anymore. Yeah. And it's yeah. not our fault. That's the thing. Like, I don't want people walking around blaming themselves because it's, it's, um, it's coming from the companies that want us to buy their products. It's coming from when um, they figured out how to make processed food to serve, at least in the United States, it started this way. They figured out how to make processed food to get it over during World War II to the soldiers. And, um, and so the companies just want us to keep buying so they keep putting out media to make us buy it and it's not our fault and then it's not your fault if you were just raised on it and you're addicted to it without even knowing it oh sure and our parents did the best they could with the information they have it's nobody's fault if you you know if you're looking to point fingers then i suppose you could at the processed food industry if you really really want to blame someone yeah I just want to pause this conversation for a minute because what Paula and I are talking about is at the heart of why I created Life After Sugar. Because it's not about blaming or pointing fingers or judging that foods are good or bad or that we're good or bad for choosing to eat them. It's not about that at all. And if you want to know a little bit more about the approach of Life After Sugar which is a gentle, open, accepting approach, then head on over to my website, aftersugarclub.com, surf around, make the most of all the free resources there, like the videos about what to eat and what foods don't contain added sugars, as well as how looking after your gut health can really help your general health, as well as reduce cravings, improve your sleep and your mood, and even have an effect on your weight. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab What to Eat. And while you're there, you can also download your free simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar and start learning about eating whole foods and looking after your gut health and getting rid of your cravings. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab Simple Guide. And if you're motivated and ready to make a real change in your relationship with sugar, then join us in our monthly membership, which is the After Sugar Club. That's where we have twice monthly check-in support calls because that's where you get your questions answered, plus all the support, the encouragement the guidance and the accountability that you need to really break free from sugar. So go to aftersugarclub.com 
and click on the green button, join the club. And a few times a year I also open the Life After Sugar program, which is a much more intensive six-week program where we double down on the guidance and the accountability so that you can get structured support, so that you can get on the fast track to get rid of cravings and mindless snacking, feel more energetic and really break your sugar habit for good. That's aftersugarclub.com and press on the tab Program. And you can also come say hi on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar, as well as on my Instagram account at My Life After Sugar, which is where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, you know, Instagram stuff to show you that it really is possible to live a joyful, happy life, even if you don't eat sugar. All right, let's get back to my chat with Paula. And I agree with you, like, it's not our family's fault. They didn't know or they did the best they could. And at the same time, we have an option to step out of it and to step into full body, mind, food health. And, um, and that's the piece. And we end up needing to break those patterns from our families and the messages we got from our families around food. Um, and I think that's part of it too. People have so much confusion because there's 5,000 different ways to eat and, you know, different diets and this and that. And it's very confusing. And like when we were growing up since we're the you know, same age, it's like, it was like, um, everything was low fat, you know, fat free, fat free, this fat free that. And now avocados are like, eat your avocados, eat your avocados. So like, of course, we're going to be confused. You know, it's like, well, which message is cracked? And there's a 1000 of those. And so that's, that was part of my journey was realizing what foods support my individual body. And, you know, the women who I work with, they often are like, well, I, I eat very high plant-based. Um, I do eat fish and I don't eat other meats because that's what works for my body. If I eat meat beyond fish, I get constipated. I know that about myself, sure. but I don't expect the women in my, that I work with to do that. They get to make their own choices around what proteins work for their body. So we work with that together. And the thing though, that's clear among all the different ways of eating is they all say eat vegetables, you know, and they all say get off refined sugar, like no matter which one it is, you know, so even from things from a long time ago to now. So unless it's, unless it's a program that's trying to sell you pre-packaged food, that might not be true. But the ones where they're having you eat real food that you cook, they're all, that, those two are just clear always. Eat vegetables and get off refined sugar. So yeah, and eat real foods. Yes, yeah. for sure. And we're all different. So what works for you? You know, and I, I was born anemic and was chronically anemic. And then I upped my, I, I ate more meat, started eating more red meat and I'm just fine. And I thrive on meat. So, you know, we're all different. It doesn't constipate me at all. And, you know, that's the beauty of it all, that we're all different. And the, the, the bottom line is find what makes you thrive. Exactly. And so, again, I just want to go back a little bit to the, 
emotional, so you're kind of an expert in emotional eating. What have you found is like the most difficult for, for you and for people you work with to let go of? Kind of like a, a mourning process of, of what kinds of things? Well, I, there's a lot wrapped up for women around food and their bodies. And so I think one of the biggest thing that's hard for women to let go of um, and step into is to let go of the negative self-talk and to step into loving themselves the way they are in that day, in that moment. And to not beat themselves up if they slip, quote unquote, off of their new lifestyle way of eating and moving their body and thinking, because it's, it's going to happen. We're humans. And, but that's the piece that I think is a great question. That's the piece that I think is the hardest for a lot of women is getting rid of the negative self-talk because it's just been ingrained from such a young age. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. And, and this kind of need to do it all perfectly. You know, I think it's, it, well, it's almost like self-sabotage. It's like we tell ourselves, well, I need to do it perfectly. And knowing that I can't, I might as well not begin. <laughs> right. Or I've tried it before X amount of times and it never works. So why bother? You know, because I'm just going to end up failing again. Right. right. And, and so that's what the thing I see is that's why I really see the importance is as you're making changes in your health and you're shifting your food or if you want to add in exercise, whatever it is, is also at the same time working on the emotional level. Because um, when I started my process and, and I was in the healers program, I was having people walk up to me who like I knew you know, not super close friends, but acquaintances. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Because they saw the weight come off of me. I, I lost about 25, 30 pounds. And that wasn't my goal. My goal was just to feel better emotionally and physically. And I knew they expected me to say, well, I'm on this kind of diet. And what I said is, well, I'm making changes in my food. And at the same time, I'm really working on my emotions and releasing the, you know, block things. Because I truly, I'd done therapy for years before, but it was doing it in conjunction with eating real foods. And, you know, that made the difference. We often learn in therapy to sort of deal with to toxic relationships and let go of toxic people in our lives. But it's pretty rare that, you know, we, we bring in a toxic substance like sugar into the whole mix. And those two together, letting go of both or all of this kind of toxic sources in our life. I mean, what freedom. And what I found for me that because when I stopped eating sugar, my taste buds changed. I mean, that wasn't my goal. It, you know, I just, ha it happened like that. That I, I wasn't running after sweet foods or sweet tastes anymore. And that in itself, you know, was a liberation for me because I wasn't looking to replace sugar. I was happy without it. And I think that's really difficult to imagine when you're, you know, in this kind of sugar-filled world. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't crave 
refined sugar anymore. I still crave sweet things. It's still a part of my being. So I know I have to eat more sweet vegetables. Vegetables are more sweet. I need, um, and then fruit helps some too, but I don't want to eat too much fruit either. So I just try to really make sure I'm eating plenty of sweet vegetables to help me with that. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, respect your own need. Yeah. And then the other piece is stress, you know, is bringing down my stress. So I know that's another piece, you know, like the other day my partner and I got in a fight and I was just standing there at the fridge <laughs> looking in at everything, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, no, this is emotional eating. You know, you're having stress because you got in a fight. So this is now what you need. Like I did what I needed to do with my clients. I was like, okay, act like you're one of your clients, you know, and step away from the fridge, take some deep breaths and, you know, do some of the techniques, you know, and I was able to do that. And Oh, you got to tell me one of your techniques because I need, I need one. <laughs> so one thing I help do is um, use the acupressure points as a place to get ourselves out. A lot of times when we're emotional eating, we're in fight or flight. So tapping right literally like taking your fingertips and tapping right under your collarbone that's your lung point and when we're stressed especially from like a fight with somebody or, or yelling at your kid or whatever it helps your lungs relax it helps your body relax so you're just tapping literally right under your collarbone while you're deep breathing can get your body out of fight or flight yeah yeah it's so. so simple it's so simple and it's i mean we've all been there you know either whatever the source of stress we've all uh, i think i certainly have opened the fridge and just like taken it all out on the inside of the fridge yeah, yeah. Or, or the cookie jar or whatever name it you know yeah and i think we've i don't know for you but i mean i was never really taught how to deal with my emotions in any other way than with eating. Yeah, no, definitely. I grew up in stuffing my emotions with eating for sure. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. eating to celebrate and eating, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, good or bad. Yeah, stress or celebration. Right. And it's, you have, your child is older than mine. My daughter is just 12 and you know, I. I hopefully I'm teaching her, I'm trying to teach her how to deal with her emotions, A, how to express her emotions without putting the emotions into, you know, without judging them as being good or bad. And then secondly, how to deal with the emotions that make her uncomfortable. It's tough as a parent when you yeah. haven't heard that. Yeah, it's hard, hardest job in the world being a parent. And if, mom, if you're listening, mom, I think you did a great job. So don't worry. But, you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, you're right. It's just, we do the best we can and we're trying to change. And I know I'm a better parent because I'm not eating refined sugar and I'm eating high plant-based and I'm dealing with my emotions so I can role model things for my son. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and doing something that's hard is also like being a role model to, you know? I mean, it's, for me, it's not hard anymore, but at the beginning, when you cut out something that basically, let's face it, that you love, 
you know yeah it's hard and it's socially acceptable it's even socially encouraged to eat sugar and so going against that is it's just hard it is it is hard and people just expect you're going to eat it and then when you don't and it could be anything it doesn't have to be sugar too like if you make a choice to not drink uh i don't know wine or you make a choice to not eat shrimp or whatever it is like it doesn't matter but people expect you to eat it and they don't quite know how to make of it and then they they project onto you or they feel bad they're like oh I shouldn't eat this in front of you and it's like no I'm making my choice you can eat what you need and so you need to have the inner strength around that too yeah um, but I also find, you know, you were talking about role modeling for your daughter. And this is part of sort of my secret mission, but it's not really secret. But this is, is that I know when somebody in the household steps into deeper wellness around their eating and around their emotions, it spreads to the rest of the household. And I just keep seeing that repeatedly more and more with my clients. They'll just say to me, oh, my husband's, you know, drinking more water now, or my husband's joining me for the walks now, you know, or um, my kids are trying this new, you know, some of the dishes I made, the soups or whatever it is. And that's part of my mission is to because I'm, I'm also an elementary school teacher and I see what kids are bringing in their lunch boxes and I've seen how it's changed over the past 25 years and I don't blame the parents. Society is not set up to support um, families really with having the time to cook and, sure. and to eat real foods. And, and it's just, it breaks my heart to see what are arriving in kids' lunch boxes and to see what a lot of hot lunch programs are in schools. And so I feel like if we empower a parent in the household and often it's a woman who cooks, not always, you know, but often it is, and then it spreads to the rest of the household. And that's part of my mission to get down to the lower generations so that we'll shift. Totally. It's such a ripple effect. You know, you think, okay, I just, I'll cut out sugar for, you know, for me, it was just for two weeks at the beginning. And then it has this ripple effect, like you're saying, on the rest of the family and on society and eventually, you know, on, on political decisions and so on, you know, from the grassroots level. And not just hopefully, but it will if, if we make it happen. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing what a ripple effect it has. Yeah, I agree. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nessa. You're very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. A wonderfully inspiring conversation with Paula because she's so aware of what sugar was doing to her body, to her brain and to her emotions and also the history behind it. In other words, the family and the social influences that affect us when we're eating sugar and I would say even more so when we stop eating sugar. And I really do believe that if we as individuals and as consumers educate ourselves and become more aware of the influence of the processed food industry 
and the messages that they send us about what's normal, what's not normal, like normalizing cravings. With messages like, bet you can't eat just one, I mean, I naively believe that they don't do all that to harm us, but rather just to get more sales because if they can make us consumers believe that we need these types of crave-worthy foods, then of course they'll sell more. But that's where our power as consumers and as citizens and as voters comes back into our own hands because we do have the power, even if it doesn't feel like that sometimes, we do have the power to vote with our dollar and to decide what types of foods we buy and what types of edible products we leave on the shelf. All right, that's the end of my soapbox speech for today. I want to finish today by inviting you over to my new Life After Sugar YouTube channel where you'll find a growing library of videos with recipes and tips and excerpts of conversations with my podcast guests. So go to YouTube, look for the Life After Sugar channel and subscribe. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please rate it and scroll down and leave a review and let me know how it's helping you in your Life After Sugar. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that it magically appears on your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.